0: Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message.
1: Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. And Lord, I pray that for every person within the sound of my voice this morning, that you would help us to put away our electronic devices unless we're using them to follow along in your scriptures, Lord, to forget the text messages, to to not let anything be more urgent than the message that you have for us this morning. Clear our heads. Let us put away the world for this bit of sacred time and focus on you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hebrews 1 is where we start today. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. Don't, uh, don't set it down because we're going to be turning pages quite a bit today. But Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the sun as an inheritance and through the sun he created the universe the sun radiates god's own glory and expresses the very character of god and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command the writer of this letter now known as the book of hebrews gets right down to business no flowery introductions or greetings as in many of the other letters in the New Testament. Just boom! A quick reminder of the thousands of years of God's history of communicating with the Jews, also called the Hebrews, through their great prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and others. And then just a quick pivot into the new way the Lord was now communicating with them and had been recently through the past 60, 65 years, through the greatest prophet of all, his own son, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Then he states that it was through his son that the universe had been created from the very beginning. And we get confirmation of this in John 1. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And you know, not only did the Son create it all, He sustains it all by the mighty power of His command. In other words, Jesus maintains the universe in the palm of His hand. And one day, very soon, He is said to own it all because God promises He, the Son, will inherit everything that exists, everything that He created. Back then, the Jews held their prophets in very high esteem because they spoke God's word to them in truth, often under very difficult circumstances. And even though we, we have a history of, of them not listening necessarily to the prophets, they revered them. But they did realize that the prophets were only spokesmen for the Lord. And everything about the book of Hebrews takes the prophet Jesus to a totally different place level Jesus has complete superiority because he is the Lord let's read verse 3 again the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command Warren Wiersbe writes in his person Christ is superior to the prophets to begin with he is the very son of God and not merely a man called by God the author makes it clear that Jesus Christ is God in verse 3 for his description could never be applied to a mortal Christ is to the father what the rays of the sun are to the sun itself he is the radiance of God's glory and just as it's impossible to separate the rays from the sun that we so enjoy on a day like this It's also impossible to separate Christ's glory from the nature of God. Then it goes on to say, He expresses the very character of God. Our English word, character, comes from a Greek word translated image. And literally, Jesus Christ is the image, the exact representation of the very substance of God. Only Jesus could honestly say, He who has seen me has seen the Father, as we see that he did say in John 14, 9. And this is the writer making it clear that Jesus is the full revelation of God. We can have no clearer view of God than by looking at Christ. Jesus Christ is the complete expression of God in a human body, end quote. Now, speaking of Jesus, we're still in chapter 1, verse 3, Hebrews continues, when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. As you read through a lot of this on your own, and we're just going to cherry pick verses, so I'm, I'm encouraging you to spend a lot of time in Hebrews over this next week or so you're going to see that the general theme of Hebrews reminds me, and should you, of the series that Pastor Dave was doing, God is greater than. You may recall he did a a series of messages like God is greater than your fear, greater than your past, greater than your suffering, your pain. And the first several chapters in Hebrews show us that Jesus is greater than, better than, any person, place, or thing that was ever offered through the Jewish faith. That's not to say there was anything wrong at all with Judaism. It came from God itself. So we know it was very good in its essence. It was used to set standards for mankind to try and live up to, to help the Jewish people not only survive, but to thrive. And the Jewish faith, with all of its Rules and regulations, the prescribed celebrations and deep expectations known as the law were designed to show us our hopelessness when it comes to living a sinless life. The helplessness of continued animal sacrifice to try and wash away ongoing sins. All of the Old Testament, every bit of it, was actually designed from the beginning to foreshadow the coming of Jesus. So God's new agreement, His new covenant with mankind that came into the world through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was a much better deal. And here, over the next several chapters, the book of Hebrews makes it clear. Jesus was greater than the prophets, greater than the angels, greater than Moses and Aaron. The priesthood of every believer, which was given to us through Christ, is greater than the priesthood of the greatest priest, Melchizedek, and the priests that came after him. That's the new covenant that is greater than the original promise to the Jew, God's specially chosen few. And the writer of this book again and again points out the contrast, the difference between the Old Testament system of law. And the New Testament ministry of grace, forgiveness. He's making it clear that the old religious system was temporary and that Jesus was able to make it a better way with better benefits because in the new covenant, they are eternal. Now, I want to take a a step back and try to better understand why all of this was important for the writer of Hebrews to express at that time in that way the main issue was that many believers were falling away from the faith they were slipping and sliding back into their old habits their old routines their old religious practices most of the early converts to Christianity came from Judaism not all of them but a lot of them and when they became Christians they faced tremendous persecution from all angles starting with their very own families who often disowned them they were kicked out of the synagogue never allowed to go near the temple they also faced bitter fanatical opposition from the roman government and any of the many false religions that worshiped other gods this was a whole new thing and Everybody was against them. They even had people coming into their own churches, masquerading as Christians and teaching false doctrines. I've been given a new vision, and here's what it is. Introducing all kinds of crazy new ideas that went directly against what Jesus had just taught them a few years earlier. Christianity was the new kid on the block, and all the other kids did their best either to lure him into their little club or to chase him out of the neighborhood, beat him up. Many felt it was just easier to to give up, to go along, to get along, and they dropped out of Christianity. So these early-day Christians needed encouragement to keep their faith in the promises of Christ. They needed endurance and the strength to keep going in the face of all this very difficult opposition. They needed the vision to keep their eyes on the prize, their eternal reward from Jesus that was off in the distance. I personally believe that all of this has a great application to the situation we find ourselves in today. How many of those we've known as seemingly solid Christians have seemed to drift away from the church, fallen away from the faith over the last two years, especially since the beginning of COVID? And fear of the virus had a lot to do with it, but there are a lot of other factors. Our faith is being attacked, deconstructed, criticized in the public square worldwide, called names and dismissed as old-fashioned and out of sync with our modernized, high-tech, contemporary society. Now, nothing could be further from the truth, but that's all you hear out in the greater society today. The stats on this, even with the restrictions... Now, mostly dropped around the country, church attendance in the nation is down anywhere from 35 to 50% of what it was before COVID hit. I spoke with a couple yesterday. We had a beautiful funeral here, and they're, they're solid Christians, and I asked, where are you worshiping? Oh, well, I haven't really found a place. Our title today goes back to the book of Exodus, when plague after plague was poured out on the nation of Egypt, if you remember that, that history, the pharaoh finally gave in and said, you Hebrews can leave and go free. And the people of Egypt were so sick of the plague, so anxious to send them away, that God enticed the Egyptians to literally give the Jews all of their gold and silver and jewels. It's like, take this, just, just go. And they carried them with them across the Red Sea and into the desert. The Jews... The Hebrews have long been associated with, among many other wonderful attributes and skills, their beautiful work with precious metals and jewels. And so in today's discussion of Hebrews, this passage is just the first one of over a dozen that I am referring to as treasures of the Hebrews. And this letter or book of our Bible is... A literal treasure trove of priceless value in my simple mind huge nuggets of golden God-given wisdom sparkling diamonds of spiritual truth that we can pick up and examine and take away as ours for the keeping as we read through and study the book of Hebrews Now, we don't have any time today for any sort of a detailed look through the 13 chapters of this amazing book. And this is a a book, a a set of scriptures, that really deserves our time and our attention and our study. But my desire is, uh, can I say, flash enough of this beautiful spiritual bling in front of you that you'll be enticed to spend large amounts of time and effort in these scriptures with the hope of greatly enriching your spiritual knowledge through the abundant treasures of the Hebrews you'll find and hopefully possess by taking ownership of them in your heart and mind and I will tell you that you shouldn't expect to understand everything you read in Hebrews there are mysteries with answers that have not yet been revealed to mankind and there are honest differences of opinion from bible scholars who study the word carefully but don't get caught up in those things for now that can come later read it through once or twice and just look for the easy pickings the stunningly beautiful jewels of scripture that are sort of laying out there on the ground for you to admire and as you go through pay attention to sections of scripture that could be categorized as explanation, examination, exhortation, exaltation, or evaluation. A very important part of Scripture that we often don't give nearly enough value to, because we don't like them, are biblical warnings. But if we can remember that God warns us to protect us because He loves us and wants the best for us, then what's the problem? What's our hesitancy to not like them? And there are about five passages in Hebrews that many consider serious warnings. But I think a better word is probably exhortation. And you could translate that as encouragement. These passages are not to scare us but to encourage us, to exhort us to trust God, and to pay attention to His Word. And the first one comes to us at the very beginning of chapter 2. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message of God, delivered through angels, has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So, what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus Himself and then delivered to us by those who heard Him speak? This message has never been more important than today. Too many people in our modern church around the whole world rely only on the sweetest attributes of Jesus, His love. And forgiveness and we so often forget that he's also the perfect father and we know in our hearts no good parent allows bad behavior in their children to continue without strong consequences and just as a loving parent warns a toddler about the danger of sticking a screwdriver into an electrical socket and the little ones going but it looks so fun or or, or a teenager about the consequences of drinking and driving, our Lord cares enough about us to point out the extreme dangers in this world. And we forget that while Jesus is the perfect example of love, he is also perfect in his judgment, which he promises to hand out when he comes back again. We drift away from our Lord when we forget the truth written in Scripture, when we get lazy about going to church, when we allow the false teachings of the world to take the place of His Word. Not even the great heroes of old escaped God's punishment when they willingly and repeatedly disobeyed His commands. And sinning carelessly because, well, we know Jesus is always going to forgive us, cheapens His grace. It actually mocks his sacrifice. And there's no way out for those of us who continue to sin, ignoring the eternal value of our salvation that our Lord and Savior paid a very high price to obtain. So I encourage you to constantly search God's Word. Listen carefully to the truth we have heard. Now, just a few verses later, we find what I think is one of the most amazing passages in all of the Bible, and it's in the form of explanation. In Hebrews 2.10, where it says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father that is why jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters for he said to god i will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters i will praise you among your assembled people do you get that are we truly understanding the significance of actually being considered children of the living god Jesus Christ is not only our Lord and Savior, He's our big brother, and God is our Heavenly Father. Verse 13, He also said, I will put my trust in Him. That is, I and the children God have given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You know, if there's one thing the pandemic has made perfectly clear to me, it's that way too many of us who claim Christianity are terribly afraid of dying. Now, I'm not saying that we should be careless or reckless or that we shouldn't take good care of ourselves and use reasonable caution and prevention in whatever we do, but a devoted Christian with two, true faith in Jesus will not fear death, not from a virus or a disease or a disaster, not from a criminal or a gang or a war that is starting clear across the world. 2 Timothy 1 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Luke 12, 4, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that, but I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear, said Jesus. Next, In this wonderful book we're encouraged to take a personal examination this is in Hebrews 3 12 be careful then dear brothers and sisters make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving turning you away from the living God you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God for if we are faithful to the end Trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So, just as we cannot allow ourselves to grow hard hearted or to turn away from our faith, we can't allow our Christian brothers and sisters to do it either. Many times, just simply reaching out and showing care and concern, a call, a visit, an invitation to to lunch or coffee, or, hey, we should catch up, we haven't talked in a while, can turn the tide, can encourage them back into the fold where we are all safer together. Exaltation of Scripture is shown in Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. So, yes, Scripture helps us to see the truth in ourselves. The good, the bad, and the ugly. James describes it as looking in the mirror and seeing our imperfections. Knowing the Word of God also allows us to cut to the truth with our very much needed self-confrontation. And also when sharing the gospel with others. Next up is evaluation in the form of Looking at ourselves personally, Hebrews 5, 12. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. How many of us in this room have been Christians a long time but have never taught a word about our faith, have never spoken to a single soul about the love of Jesus to anyone outside our own household? I won't ask you to raise hands, but I know what happens. Or we used to do it but have let that slide, we've drifted. It's time to grow. Let's go. Hebrews 6, 7 says, When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, uh, thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you Or does it? We're confident that you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you've worked for Him. And how you've shown your love to Him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Our next jewel, our next gem, comes from chapter 7, where we begin several long chapters of some very important explanation of the background of our faith, getting back into the theme of why it is greater than what we had before in the Old Testament. Hebrews 7.23 says, There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever... His priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. As good as those previous priests wanted to be, tried to be, they were human beings. It was impossible for them to be what Jesus is today. And we see more in chapter 8, verse 1. Here's the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by God human hands and notice the tense it wasn't ministered he ministers and he still does to this very moment hebrews 9:13 under the old system the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then more exaltation in chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place Because of the blood of Jesus. Remember that under the old system, the holy of holies and the curtain that separated mankind from the place where God's Shekinah glory was said to dwell. But when Jesus was crucified, that veil in the temple ripped from the top to the bottom, opening up the way for us to have direct access to our Creator. That's why we no longer have to go to the priest. To pray that's why so many of us recognize and realize we don't need to go to pray to the Saints or to the angels or to the mother of Jesus because we have direct access to the Lord himself through that sacrifice through that ripping of the veil more exhortation encouragement comes to us let us hold tightly without wavering says hebrews 10:23, to the hope we affirm for god can be trusted to keep his promise let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now as the day of his return is drawing near let us not neglect our meeting together. So many people try to walk this road of faith in Christ alone. Pastor Rick Warren says a Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. Genesis 2.18 says it's not good for man to be alone. We are created for community. Ecclesiastes 2 reminds us two people together are better than one and the two and three together or even stronger. You know, it's only human. It is absolutely natural for us to waver in our Christian strength or resolve now and then. Just as the Hebrews were tempted back then, the same thing happens to every one of us, myself included, often today. Holding on to our faith is much easier when we link arms with other believers. Knowing that Jesus can be trusted to keep His promises should encourage us to creatively and constantly motivate other Christians who are facing difficult challenges or feeling defeated. I was on the phone this morning with a single mom of of five that I just love that has done such an amazing job, and the woman who raised her is in the hospital this morning, ready to be pulled off of life support. So please pray for Stephanie and her family this morning. There are so many within our fellowship around the world who are facing difficulties, perhaps feeling defeated. Coming together is a tremendous boost to our courage, our spirit, and our combined faith in Jesus. And when we don't gather together, when we don't do these things, we shut ourselves off from the fellowship of other Christians that God has provided to us. We are actually denying the Lord now believe me I know there are a million excuses for not going to church including I don't really like his messages too much I get it I do <laughs> but but I ask you to think about whoever it is that, that the messages you don't like probably mine why why what, what, what is it about it you should leave feeling convicted or curious or convinced or at least able to pick up one little jewel, one little nugget, even if it didn't come out of the pastor's mouth, something that God put into your heart. But before you accuse a church of not feeding you well, think back about how many times you didn't even come to dinner. It's not fair to be unfaithful and then complain. Now, Many of you needed to stay away from church due to health concerns very legitimately over the past couple of years with the virus, and, and we understand, and we love you anyway. Those of you still watching online, that's why New Covenant spent huge amounts of money to upgrade our facility and ability to broadcast all our services online. That was not an area... We were ready to go into it all when all the changes hit us in the face, but we did it, and we spent that money gladly because it allowed us to stay in touch with you. And we hope that even though you've been watching via the Internet that you realize and recognize that you're a very important part of our family still. But as blessed as we are to be able to provide that service, you know as well as we do that it's not the same thing as being here in person. When we were forced to shut down the church and I, I had to watch Pastor Dave at home, I, I'm taking notes, but I'd catch myself cleaning off my desk or folding the laundry or just, just drawn away. It's not the same. And, and, and we hope that you'll soon feel safe enough to come join us in person. And if you just can't, let us know and we'll come see you. We would love to do a home visit. I know from personal experience there are days I wake up and I don't want to come to church, but I've learned that God works in mysterious ways. And when I make myself attend on those days, I always receive an amazing blessing in one way or another, usually in multiples. Perhaps I hear a great word from the pulpit or receive wonderful encouragement from someone I'm talking with. Or maybe I'm able to pray with another who expresses a special need or a challenge or to welcome a first-time visitor into our fellowship with the opportunity to introduce them to a few folks and show them around when I stay away from the gathering of God's people those blessings are not allowed to be introduced to prosper in my life Lord help us come together at every opportunity so that we can continue to encourage others in acts of love and good works that reflect our desire to be more like you, Lord. Chapter 11 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. So this is explaining that faith is confident assurance that what we hope for, what we've been promised, is going to happen. Even though we can't physically see it, we believe it. Verse 3 continues with an example that goes back to the beginning of time. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. You know, it's interesting to me that even those who don't believe there is a God have faith in something, even when they claim to be an atheist. Those who hold to ideas like the Big Bang Theory believe all of this incredibly detailed creation in our universe came from a huge explosion of chemicals and gases that came from what? And how? And notice that these supposed causes are also invisible to the human eye. That takes much more faith than my simple mind can imagine. And I'll keep my faith in the one true God who breathed this amazingly complex universe into creation through his power and unimaginable design. And then as a bonus, he sent his son Jesus to make it possible for any of us to spend eternity with them if we have the faith to truly believe that jesus is who he claims to be he's coming back soon to display the truth all the world will finally see and this golden nugget in chapter 11 is followed by sparkling examples of a list that reads like inductees into the hall of fame of faith famous bible heroes like enoch noah abraham and sarah isaac Joseph, who ruled over Egypt, Moses, as well as Gideon, Samson, Samuel, King David, and all the prophets. And I hope you'll stop and think about the fact that these people are our spiritual ancestors. We're part of their bloodline from Adam and Eve to you and me, Judaism and Christianity have an amazing family tree. We come from good stock. Imperfect, but good. Hebrews eleven thirty three reminds us, By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Yet their spiritual victories weren't always visible in this world and neither are ours. It goes on to say others were tortured, refusing to turn from God. In order to be set free, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection, some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. So this brings the question, uh, are we building up our faith for the persecution perhaps like that maybe worse that scripture says is still to come to us it's time for us to prepare to get into spiritual shape and chapter 12 verse 1 says therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We have a huge crowd of witnesses to the truth and effectiveness of our faith from Bible heroes who struggled thousands of years ago to those who travel the difficult path of life along us today. Knowing they successfully made it to the finish line back then encourages us to never give up. And seeing our Christian brothers and sisters running the race with us all over the globe today spurs us on. We read about what's happening with, 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 with Russia and the Ukraine. We read about China shutting down all Christian ministries in their nation, bulldozing churches, shutting off all religious linkage on the internet keeping our eyes on our champion jesus helps us think of them and what they're going through and it helps us to throw off our sinful actions and attitudes jesus is the perfect example we strive to imitate so that the holy spirit will initiate the spiritual transformation that propels you and me across the finish line into eternity and finally hebrews 13:1 Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage, remain faithful to one another. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that through miraculous intervention, you have preserved these words for us today. Through countless dictators, authoritarian regimes who burned the Bible, who banned it, who confiscated it, who still steal it and hide it away, Lord, you have made it available to us. Let us feast on these treasures. Let us proudly take these jewels into our heart into our minds, into our lives, and let us show them as we go out into the world. Let us share them with others that you put us in contact with so that we can make sure we are living the life that is pleasing to you. Lord, regardless of whether we we pass away from, from our own situation in life or you come again, we know that the end is close. And let us not be afraid of that. Let us rejoice and recognize this is an exciting time to be alive, to serve you with all that we have. We love you and we praise you for all that you've done and all that you promise is still to come. And we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please stand as we close in worship.
0: This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.